Hi, welcome to Day Message. My name is Dai Qing Yuan, pastor of Abilene Bible Church in Abilene, Texas. D A Y Day is my name initial, and daylight has come since Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We are here to share with you the truth of the Bible. History and theology, so that you might have eternal life as well as a wise life here and now. God bless. Good morning, y'all. Right? <laughs> 你好 very well.、Uh, let's continue our study on I give. Today is the second part. It's about the New Testament's teaching. On giving, we have studied the Old Testament teaching on tithing last time, and、uh, all of this is a part of the big series. If you haven't been here before, of I Christian, the basics of Christian life.、Uh, after we have talked about I believe, which makes us Christian, and then the rest are what Christians do. I confess, I pray, I worship, I fellowship, and the next natural one is I give, and.、Uh, The, let's summarize the ten Old Testament principles on tithing. Interestingly, tithing one tenth and ten principles. The first is that tithing is an acknowledgement of divine blessing. It's telling God, acknowledging to God that yes, all my income is from God. Thank you. So here is my acknowledgement. The second principle is that tithing is an in- invitation of divine blessing. Only if you have acknowledged that all my money are from God, therefore you can invite God to bless you more. And if you are saying, "No, my income is really from my own efforts; it's not related with your blessing," therefore、uh, you stay in your territory, I stay in mine. Well, that's not an invitation for blessing. The third principle is that tithing is giving to God what belongs to Him. God said, "One tenth belongs to Him." In Israel, the firstborn belongs to Him. That's because Israel is the firstborn nation, and also the one, the tenth belongs to Him. You know why? Well, because God is their king. Okay. So the next、um, principle is that tithe is the portion of the full-time servants of God. The full-time servants of God in the Old Testament are the priests and the Levites. In the New Testament, are the pastors. Um, and and the, the parachurch workers, and they are not supposed to take secular jobs. It's not that they cannot. Usually, the best example is that、um, for people who can take a secular job and、uh, make a good living. Well, Dr. Matthews is a physician. He can make a good living, but he committed to serve God full time as a missionary. Well, that actually tells the world more about、uh, giving my life. Then a person who、uh, has not proven he has any ability of doing anything, you know, then he will be a missionary. Well, <laughs> no, we, we we don't take that. <laughs>、um, so usually, pastors and fo- and the, and the church workers take a second career, okay, in, in church life in in the in the um, um, whatever ministry, and.、Uh, Once they do that, they are not supposed to take secular job anymore, even though they can. But they're not supposed to, you know, unless it's in the beginning, which they have to, you know, do a period of time. 
Um, why? Well, because they have devoted their life to God. They are supposed to live like the Levites. They, their income is based on the, the fruit of their work. That other people who have known God, they shall live as the people of God live, and they give a portion, usually that's 10%, that belongs to God, as the portion that supports the life of the full-time servants of God. And uh, a portion of the tithe is also the fellowship offering. Um, the temper that you give to God, uh, part of it, you can enjoy it. You, if you take your family to, uh, to the, for a Holy Land tour, I mean, that can be part of your 10%. And uh, if you go to, uh, uh, you, you give to church and the church have a fellowship lunch, we do that once a month, then you are welcome to here. You can enjoy uh, in bringing something, supplying it in potluck, and, or if you don't enjoy any, don't take any, you can enjoy it, you know, just by joining us. Because that is part of the fellowship offering, okay? Uh, it, you give, you also take, because that's one, it's in family now, okay? And uh, the sixth principle is that the tithe on the third year is the local charity. So basically, a 3% income should be given to the poor and the needy. Well, that includes some of the <laughs> uh, poor Levites, uh, seminary students like. <laughs> okay. And uh, a tithe, the sixth principle is that tithing is giving to the king his due portion. In the Bible, it tells the rightful due for the king is 10%. Therefore, the rightful tax is 10%. Anything more than 10% uh, is excessive. Uh, however, since we have two kings, one is in heaven, one's on earth, um, or we don't have king, we have a you know, republic uh, form government, uh, that's like a king. Therefore, we should give a 10% to God, because he's our king, we acknowledge that, and 10% for the, um, the government, uh, as acknowledgement that they uh, manage some part of our life and do some services, and we give a consent for them to govern over us. Well, unfortunately, we pay more than 10% now to the government. Um, well, some corrections is necessary, I think. <laughs> and uh, the next principle is that tithing is for ensuring uh, the studying and teaching of the Word of God. And you tithe so that some people can full-time study the Word of God. They can truly understand it and teach it well so that other people of God who, don't, who are not called to do that, they can understand and live righteously. And once you live righteously, you can be blessed by God and therefore there, and you can give more to those who do it. So this is a right, you know, correct cycle. It's a good cycle. Okay. And tithing, the next principle, tithing is a covenantal commitment of the people of God. Uh, it's not commitment to a church. I don't like the church who call people and say, you pledge your 10%. That's, it's just not nice. Okay, uh, and it's, you don't do it by enforcing, okay? In the family of God, everything is by persuasion and it's by love and moving, okay? You, uh, Christ came here, he did not um, force us to become Christians. He gave his life and so that we are moved by his love. Therefore, we are draw, attracted, drawn by him, uh, to him, and become Christians. So uh, tithing is a covenantal commitment to God. 
Okay, if you believe that you have become part of the community of the people of God, the in the Old Testament is Israel, New Testament is the church, um, and if you have become it, and then you willingly you will join this community, and uh, you will um, make yourself plan your own life that way. That is a uh, where the covenant comes in, and the tenth principle is that tithing is the gate for divine blessings. And God said, uh, "If you uh, tithe, you live in the blessed state. If you don't tithe, you live in the cursed state. It's your choice to live in either way. Uh, you can be accepted, but still live in a cursed state. That means you you live under the sun. You you plow and ground, and it doesn't have much, you know, fruit fruitfulness." And you barely make a living, and because you don't acknowledge God as king, and and you don't invite God to bless you, therefore God will let you go, will let you get everything you can only by your power. Then of course that's not much, and then uh, hopefully that will teach people、um, God is a good God. However, God is also a just God. Uh, God is also a sovereign God, so God does not force us to believe Him. God does not force us to tithe. This King is not a demanding King. However, we got to realize that God is a judge. God has to hold on to the to a standard, and uh, uh, tithing is part of that standard. And He, God, actually invites us to test Him on tithe, and He says, "Test me. You, you give ten percent and see what God." God does for your life, okay? Test me, and when we know we should not test God,、uh, generally speaking. You know. However,、uh, when God invites us to test Him, and please do, you know, because that is obedience, and you will be wonderfully surprised at how faithful God is. That is the old,、uh, summary of the Old Testament ten principles for tithing. However, on the New Testament, the issue of tithing is basically forgotten. We only have one place that teaches a principle on tithing. That's by Jesus. That tithing is not、uh, supposed to be a replacement of internal morality. Jesus criticized the people of his day who created a dichotomy between tithing and spirituality. He said、uh, to the、um, Pharisees, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier or heavier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Okay, so you should not make a dichotomy. You should not say, "I do this, therefore should not do that." The the um the Pharisees, they said we did tithing、um, meticulously and meaninglessly. You know,、uh, I don't see the point.、Uh, you know, of tithing mint and dill and cumin. You know, I, my home sometimes, my family sometimes we raise a few、uh, herbs like、uh, cilantro or uh, uh, you know some some other things. And sometimes when we cook, my wife just go and break a branch and put in there. You know what's the point of taking one leaf and bring it to church? What's the point? You know we're not cooking here. <laughs> Who's going to enjoy it? You know it, it, it's meaningless, right? And、uh, they are trying to show their faithfulness in being literal here, 
But they are not literal in interpreting the Bible in many other ways. It's just hypocritic. Okay? They're not consistent. Okay? When God says tithe in all, he doesn't mean in everything you take one-tenth. Okay? Sometimes it doesn't make, make sense. It's just generally your tenth, a tenth of your income. It belongs to God okay? because he made you live. He made you be able to work. He caused your, your work having fruit. Okay, so that's an acknowledgement, and that belongs to him. That's his effort in there. Okay, and um, um, it's just general speaking. You don't have to be that meticulous here. But they try to do this in order they can ignore the others, and they actually ignored the weightier ones. That is the 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 love and mercy and faithfulness in their heart, which are reflected in giving to the poor. Okay, and. Uh, Jesus gave them a curse, basically, a woe to them. And uh, that's all. The New Testament talking about uh, tithing. And uh, now there is an issue. Can the principle of tithing in the Old Testament continue in the New Testament? Okay. There is a real biblical theological question here. We know that there are two extremes. On the one extreme... People may feel that everything in the Old Testament continues till this day. We still live under the law. We should obey the law. Actually, if you don't obey the law, you either are not saved or you lose your salvation. There are several denominations that have the Christian name, but they don't teach the true gospel because they teach that, oh yeah, you may be saved because you believe in Jesus. However, you can only keep your salvation if you obey all the law. Well, you, do you know about some people like that? Right. Well, can that, is that biblical? Okay. Well, if they do that, then they are basically saying the church is just Israel. We just joined Israel. We are all still children. We are now not adults. We're not grown up. We're not sons. Okay? We still need the rules to govern us. We are not grown ups. We don't understand and we cannot understand God in spirit, uh, in principle, and in character. That actually is an insult to the church. It's a downgrade to the church. It's an insult to the Holy Spirit. Because the church is born of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in our heart and makes us understand the character and the word and the principles of God. So that now we live in spirit and not in the letters. Okay? And the, the, the kingdom of God was a visible kingdom in the Old Testament, a spiritual kingdom in the New Testament age, in the church age. We are a step up. We have already grown up. Humanity was regarded as children before Christ, but as grown-ups after Christ. And if we want to go back to the law, that's a step down. Okay? And that's an insult to the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's not right. Okay? That, and this position is called legalism. Okay. There's another position which says nothing in the Old Testament should apply to the New Testament age. Basically, we are here free. We, if we, you believe in Jesus, then you can do whatever you want to do. Well, that is called antinomianism. Anti means against, nomos is law. Antinomian means against the law. 
they they are against all laws, and uh, they basically saying uh, um, uh, liberty as uh, licentiousness, and that is another extreme. True Christianity lives in the middle and not at either of these extreme positions. In true Christianity, uh, it we believe that some elements in the Old Testament teaching will continue in the New Testament. However, it is it continues in an elevated sense, in the spiritual sense, not in the letter. But it's in but it is in the spirit. It does continue. Okay. So we need to check the principles, what's behind the teaching. And then we, we can see if it continues and applies today. Generally speaking, we need to understand that the church is the expansion of the spiritual Israel. Okay? In Israel, there are two parts. One part is the fleshly part, one is the spiritual part. The fleshly part is the general, the beginning, the base. What is uh, Israel defined by? By blood. What are they supposed to be? The children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That defines them as Israel. Okay? But that's a definition by blood by race, by visible beings, by physical beings. And uh, uh, not all Israelites are true Israelites. Some of them are true believers of God, and they are obedient, and at least they try to. Some of those are very disobedient, and they're actually non-believers. And many of today's Jewish people are actually agnostic and atheist. You know, most of people in Israel today, I think over 70, 80% of them are secular Jews. They don't believe in God. Okay, period. Why? Well, because they felt that God, if he existed and he allowed the the Holocaust, then he's not a good God. Then they won't believe in him. Maybe he doesn't exist at all. Okay, so that's where their agnosticism comes from. And of course that's very, very wrong and it's very unfortunate, and that has to be accounted for. And these days, uh, one of the greatest missions is to reaching out to the Jewish people. Okay. But uh, generally speaking, the, the Israel has two parts. The believing part is called the spiritual Israel. Once Christ uh, comes, the spiritual Israel believed in Christ, and that's the early church. They are Jewish people who believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And the church, because now is born of the Holy Spirit, it can spill out of the nation into the Gentiles. Most of us, I think all of us sitting here are Gentiles, right? None of us have Jewish blood. Anyone? No. Okay. Well, I hope someday we will have them sitting here. Okay? And that's in my heart, deep in my heart. I, pr I pray deeply that uh, the Jewish people will come back to Christ. However, um, today, most of the people who are enjoying the new covenant, which was intended for Israel and Judah, are Gentiles. Okay? Not Israelites. And uh, we are an extension of the spiritual Israel. Therefore, in the spiritual sense, we believe and obey the same principles as the spiritual Israel does. Okay? But in, in the blood and the physical sense and in national sense, we are not, the church is not a replacement of Israel. The nation, the state of Israel still has its purpose in God's grand plan. Because God made a promise to Abraham that I give you this land forever. 
Okay? And uh, uh, that promise has to come true. Otherwise, God is unfaithful to His promise. If God is unfaithful to Israel, how can you be trusting in His promise to us, to the church? See? So that's why I believe that the issue of eschatology is not an appendix of systematic theology. It's not something that can be cut off. It's something integrated in the whole system without uh, having a literal restored state and nation of, of Israel on the land of Israel in, and the rule over the year you know, as the, the helper of God for a thousand years on earth. If that does not come true, then you cannot trust in God. Then you cannot have faith in your own salvation. But I won't have that. Therefore, I must believe in God's promise to Israel too. Okay? So the church is an expansion of the spiritual Israel. We're not replacement of the Israel itself. Okay? But because we are extension of a spiritual Israel, the in principle, anything in spirit, in principle, from the spiritual Israel shall carry on to here. And therefore, generally speaking, OT teachings continue in New Testament times unless they are abrogated by Jesus or the apostles. Now, Jesus did abrogate the law on food, which I am very happy. <laughs> okay, See, the Chinese people eat a lot of things that's unclean, but we love them. <laughs> and um, Jesus uh, said... Um, it's not what enters into the mouth that defi defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles man. He means that the food laws, which uh, was purposed to separate the Jewish people from the nations, okay, had fulfilled its purpose at the time of Jesus' first advent. You know why uh, the Jewish people was separated from the nations? Because it's from the Jews and the Jews alone. Okay, that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, shall come. God told Abraham, It is by your seed all nations shall be blessed. Okay? The seed is a singular seed. It could be un understood as the collective whole nation or as understood as one person. In the Old Testament, the whole nation of Israel could bless others, other nations. If we bless Israel, we get blessed. If we curse Israel, we get cursed, right? So Israel, can Israel be a channel of blessing even in the Old Testament sense? Yes. However, that requires Israel to have a good relationship with God in obedience. But when they lost that position, they could not be the channel of blessing anymore. God has to bless the nations through one singular seed, a person who is Jesus Christ. Okay? That is... Um, why the, the, the Israel was separated from the nations uh, because they are reserved to be the, the bed, the womb for the Messiah. After Messiah has come, after Jesus came, this is not necessary anymore. That's why the food law was abrogated. Okay? And uh, the food was, some food was declined uh, clean and some are not. And they are sovereignly declined. Some of them are related with the health issue. Some are actually not. They are really, actually what they means is the closeness to God. It's, it, there's a sense of holiness in there. Okay? And uh, we, we can learn of that in other times. 
Jesus did abrogate the food law, and Paul did abrogate the Sabbath law. Paul said, uh, therefore, no one is uh, to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in re- respect to a festival or a new moon or a sabbat- Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Okay. So the, sa- the, the Sabbath laws are to be, a sha- uh, to be shadows of Christ. We have um, talked this before. The Sabbath day is a shadow of the rest in Christ. When Jesus said, all you who are uh, heavy laden, okay, come to me because I give you rest. That give, gives us the fulfillment of the rest in Christ. The Sabbath law's ultimate purpose has been fulfilled. Therefore, we don't need to keep that Sabbath law anymore. So, uh, there, uh, there are feasts in Israel and uh, the, we know that the f- spring feasts are uh, prefiguring for Christ's mission, his ministry on earth. He, and uh, the fall feasts are the predictions for his second coming. And uh, there are two minor feasts that are the um, predictions, prophecies about his birth. So those things we have talked in other times. But anyway, these things are prefigures. They are shadows. They are prophecies. Once the prophecy is fulfilled, the prophecy itself is not any more applicable. Okay? And uh, therefore, um, we are not under the regulation of Sabbath laws. So, among the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment was uh, repealed. Now, what did Jesus give us as a replacement? A new commandment I give to you. You love one another. That is our fourth commandment for the New Testament sense. Okay. And uh, the, therefore, for, for Christians, we do not need to observe the Sabbath day, which is Saturday. Okay. It's, that's the seventh day. We actually ob- observe the first day of the week, which is, we call it, uh, which is the, the Lord's Day. Why do we not call it the Christian Sabbath day? Some people taught that, and I don't think that's correct. For a long time, the church taught that Sunday is a Christian Sabbath day. That is not biblical. Okay? The Sabbath day is defined by not doing things. Okay? Because you are having faith. You're trusting in God, bringing something better in the future. That's why you don't do this, because you're trusting God, bring the better things later. But God has already brought the best things now. Now, why do you have to wait? You know, so you obe- observing the Sabbath day is the distrust of what God has already brought to you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, Sunday, the Lord's Day, is defined by what we do, not by what we don't. We worship God on Sunday. We worship Christ on Sunday. Okay? Can we do other things? Yes, you can. But you, your life on Sunday should be centered on worshiping Christ. And everything else take second place. And if uh, resting is something that is necessary, and I believe it is, then do it. And now, with the grace of this state, we have two resting days, two days for weekends, right? So you can rest on Saturday and worship and work on Sunday, and as all pastors have to do. (laughs) So anyway, um, that's uh, another law apparently abrogated by Paul. And we know that these are things that, that don't continue. 
Okay, and there are things that continue, but they only continue in the sense, in the spiritual sense. The Ten Commandments. There are spirits of those things that are still there. The first commandment is be grateful. Okay. The second commandment is be faithful. Okay. The third commandment is uh, be consistent. Okay. And the fourth commandment is be regular. Okay. And the fifth commandment is uh, respect authorities. The sixth, the sixth commandment is respect life. The seventh commandment is respect family, marriage, respect marriage, and the eighth commandment is respect property. And the ninth commandment is to be honest and just. And the tenth commandment is to be merciful and fair. Okay, that's what I believe that are the spirits of the law. If we preach through Deuteronomy later, and we will see that. Okay. And in those spiritual senses, they apply today, and we apply them according to today's situation. The principle is carried over; the application may differ. Okay. Uh, today, you do, you don't stone to death an adulterer. Okay. And today. Uh, you you just let them suffer by their own behavior. Okay. Uh, however, should you um, obey the biblical command that um, the pastors and the elders should only be those men of one wife who have not committed um, big, you know bigamy or divorce in the non-biblical sense? Yes. So that's how you apply the laws today, okay? In spiritual, in spirit, and you apply maybe in different situations. And how come we can apply in different situations? Because we are sons now. We're not anymore children. We are adults. We're grown up. We are trusted because we are given understanding by the Holy Spirit. Okay. So understand, there's no shortcut uh, for churches. Uh, beyond knowing the Word of God, believing the Word of God, and obeying the Word of God. There's no shortcut. A lot of people seek that, but they always fail. Okay? And so OT teachings are elevated into spiritual level. In that sense, okay, is God still our king today? He still is. You better regard him as your king. Okay. Otherwise, you're not part not part of the kingdom. Okay, and uh, you you actually can be part of the kingdom uh, without acknowledging it, and that will result you not being tithe and not being blessed. So, if the spirit carries through today, then should the principle of tithe carry through? It should. Okay, yeah. Uh, now, tithing is minimal. You know the Old Testament people; they do they 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 use much more than ten percent for their religious life. Okay, uh, what happens when you sin? You have to give a sin offering. That's something extra. Okay, and uh, the the expense of it depends on your position in the society. If you're a higher person, you have to pay the most expensive bull. Okay, if you're a regular one, you pay a, a lamb. I mean, a, a goat or a sheep. And if you're poor, you pay for a, with a bird. However, 
you have to pay with something. Okay, what happens if you ask God for help? You made a vow. You say, God, I need help on this. Would you please help me to get that? Then I will give you this. Okay, that's a vow. What happened when you when God really helped you and gave you what you desired? Should you give God this volitional offering that you promised? Yeah, that's something extra. Anybody, if you ask for help and they helped you, you should give back something, right? So not only God, right? So uh, there are extra expenses uh, more than that, and uh, uh, there is a minimal. And but if you have done the minimal, then everything else is based on the situation. It's it's free, okay? Uh, and uh, you don't feel obligated, and you don't feel guilty. It, you know, it's it's based on it's in your discretion, okay? But that minimal is required, and so the just the minimal is not enough. That's um, that's duty. In the New Testament, there is something more than duty, right? What is greater than tithing, which is duty? It's called giving. Okay, that's why most of the New Testament they did not talk about tithe. It's a done deal. <laughs> If you believe God is your king, you should do it. But the others is about giving. New Testament teaches. These、uh, principles for giving. First of all, giving to the needy、uh, is part of being meek, a sign of truly having been born again. In AD 30, when Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning of his ministry, he said, "You have heard that it was said, 'An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth.' But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him too. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go on a mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you." Well, is that an easy thing to do? To turn the other cheek? I don't want to turn the other cheek. I want to give him, you know, a punch.、Uh, however, that is not a sign of being spiritual. It's a sign of being fleshly. You know, if you are truly being born again, you should become meek, as Christ. Okay, what is a meek person? A meek person would suffer, you know, take the discomfort for others' sake, okay. And、uh, even though the other person is not totally righteous, but if he is needy, okay, you will try to comply and、um, give to him who asks of you. So, in the New Testament sense, you should not, generally speaking, you should not refuse a person who asks for help. If you can help, in some sense, okay. And、uh, um, if you people ask for, you know, to borrow money, go ahead. But is it wise to lend? No, the Bible says no. It's better to give than to lend. Okay. However,、uh, the general sense is here uh, uh, that you should become a meek person, and、uh, giving is part of being meek. The people who are needy sometimes can be an Uh, annoying, is that true? Yeah, they are not necessarily righteous either. But should that be the standard of judging whether or not you should give or not? Not according to Jesus. You give because they are needy. Okay, they may be annoying, 
but you should be meek. And why should you be meek? Because you should be like Christ. Okay. And uh, what's the benefit of being meek? Jesus said, blessed are the gentle. The gentle actually is not a good choice. Meek is a better choice. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I think, I believe uh, from Bible study, that Jesus said this based on the life of Abraham. In the New Testament sense, this was never literally fulfilled. But in Abraham, it was. Remember, when Abraham and Lot had to divide the land, who owned the land? God gave the land to Abraham. But who chose the land? Lot. You know, Abraham let Lot choose the best land. Why? Because he was meek. Why? Because he was, quote-unquote, born again. He became a true believer of God in the sense of God's gracefulness after he, his failure in lying and, and being restored. Okay. So that is when he was meek. And what happens after he, was, he showed he was meek? God told him, you go on the mountain, look everywhere. Everywhere that you can see, the land belongs to you. Literally, you inherit the earth. Okay, so that I think is the source of Christ's beatitude. When we preach Genesis, we will see in detail how that pan out. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And giving is part of being meek. Charitable giving is part of being merciful. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their rewards in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This passage, when we sometimes, when we teach on the Sermon on the Mount, you can see the Sermon on the Mount can be divided into eight passages that correspond with the eight blessings. And this corresponds with the fifth blessing. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You know, why? When you are merciful, the merciful are different is uh, it's even better than being meek. The meek will go along with other people who are needy. The merciful sacrificially give themselves for the need of others. Again, this starts from the life of Abraham. When Abraham knew that God is going to destroy Sodom, and so will Lot go, right? So what did Abraham do with God? He bargained with God, and uh, he uh, prayed. He did a special prayer, which is kind of annoying to God, but he risked his own life. <laughs> it, it, it could make God mad, you know. He, he risked his own life until he reached 10 people. If the, certain, if the city has 10 righteous people, which is equal to the number of the family, uh, the household of Lot. <laughs> and if the city have that many, he said, you know, God promised he won't destroy. Okay. 
And uh, actually, not everyone in Lot's family are righteous. Only four people came out and one turned around. <laughs> so only three lived, and the three of them committed uh, uh, incest. So none of them are really righteous. Uh, but God did save some out of it for, I think, Abraham's sake. And uh, when Abraham was merciful, uh, he, he risked his own life trying to be merciful to Lot. Later, right after that, what happened? Abraham lied again out of weakness to Abimelech, and Abimelech took his wife. But this time, did God interfere before or after the fact that Sarah become the other person's wife? Before the fact. Why? Because God wants to protect the name of Isaac. God already promised that Isaac is from, uh, is from uh, Abraham. And more than that, it also reflects that those who are merciful shall be shown mercy. Abraham was just shown mercy. Okay. You see, if we give as being merciful, then we shall be shown mercy when we are in need. Okay. So that's the reward for giving uh, in secret, not broadcasting, and, you know, and, uh, and, and to get the glory now. Okay, next one, giving as a response to receiving. Jesus uh, sent out the 12 disciples, and he told them freely, uh, you know, you go along and preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then he said, freely you receive, freely give. Okay. We received a lot from God, haven't we? Okay, we, did we pay for the gift that we received? If you have paid, those are not gifts anymore. Right? If you believe that you have to do anything in order to get into heaven, then is salvation a gift or is it a merchandise? It's a merchandise, no matter what little thing or a lot of things you want to do in order to get that. Just a little. Even if you pay a penny, you have reduced the gift into a merchandise. And therefore, you don't owe the giver anything. There is no more relationship. And that defeats the whole purpose of God's creation. All God wants is to have a relationship with us, a loving relationship. God being the giver, we being the receiver. And the receiver is grateful, and we will give back by obedience. And that's all God wants. And if you put anything into the salvation as the, 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 the payment for it, then the whole thing collapses. No salvation, no uh, eternity, eternal life, no heaven for people who believe that you have to work for salvation. Okay, period. No matter you are called Protestant or Catholic or Orthodox, whatever. Okay. And a closed hand does not, is not good for giving nor receiving. You see? When you have a closed hand, you hold on to something that God already gives to you, okay? Uh, then when God wants to give you more, He has to pry open your fingers, maybe with pain, okay? <laughs> you know, the, in, the monkeys in Malaysia, you know how they catch monkeys? They have a bamboo, and then they open a small hole, small, uh, big enough so that the monkey can put their hands in there, but small enough so if they close it with a fist, they cannot get out. 
they always put a banana or a nut in there. So the monkey put their hands in there, and they, once they hold on something, they never lose, and they can't get out. Therefore, you know, the, the, the monkey catcher comes, you know, goes to sleep at night and comes in the morning, hey, here's a monkey, you know. <laughs> and then the monkey becomes a slave. He will go, you know, up the trees to get the, the coconuts in order for food. Okay? So do you <laughs> want to be a slave monkey? <laughs> then hold on. Okay, you want to freely receive, freely give, and open up. Okay, I remember the time when I was still a graduate student, uh, right after I become Christian. You know, I I was I earned eight hundred dollars a month for teaching twenty hours a week. You know, and uh, I have to pay tuitions. Okay, it's a state university. I have to pay tuitions. It's not that much. You know, two thousand dollars per per uh, semester. Well, it's still a few hundred dollars per month. And I have to reduce that. But after I learned that I need to pay tithe, uh, I paid $80 first thing in the month. You know, every month when I get the check, $800, $80 is written and it's put in the church. It's never counted as part of my money. Okay? So I never felt that I could have used it or have lost something. Okay? Never had a struggle. And that is a great, um, great thing to to. Um, to learn because God has always blessed me. I never became super rich, but have never lacked money. You know, isn't that a great state to have to be? You know, when you have too much, you may actually forget God. When you have too little, you might sin and uh, humiliate God's name. But when you just have enough, isn't that great? You know, that's a blessing. Okay, and I think part of the blessing of my own life is because I've been taught right. And a bit and obeyed, okay, from the beginning, okay, and uh, it's a free hand. It, I open, I receive, freely receive. I freely give, and I think when you are, when you are young, college students, okay, kids, with, uh, when you have no money, your gift, your tithe, will be the most pleasing to God, and that's the greatest training for your faith, and you will be greatly blessed if you start from this stage. When you later you have a lot and you give a surplus, well, that's, that doesn't move God that much, you know. And um, it's when you have little. For my kids, they are rewarded with money when they read through the Bible and test them and, and when they get A's and so on. I, I do monetarily reward them. I don't know if it's good or right, but, you know, but I, I just did it. And, but they are taught to tithe, okay? They, they need to give, you know, part of things to God. And if you build up that tradition in the children's life, they will never struggle later. They will never think, oh, that, I could have done that you know, with, you know, with this money and so on. Because it's never counted as your money. Rightly, it's God's money. Okay? And uh, giving is a response to giving. Jesus is the best example of giving. Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So how much did Jesus give? His all, right? Can we ever outgive Jesus? Never. Okay. So nothing to be proud of. And uh, tithing and tax are dues for kings. Uh, uh, this part, a lot of people teach this differently. When Jesus was tempted, when people trying to tempt Jesus to give an answer, whether or not we should uh, pay tax to Caesar, they think that if Jesus gives yes or no, in either way, he will make somebody not happy. Okay? And they thought they got him. But Jesus wisely 
you know, asked for a coin and says, Who, whose figure is on this? And they said, well, it's Caesar's. Okay, then give to Caesar his due and uh, give to God his due. Most people ex interpret this as um, giving to Caesar his tax. Uh, however, give your heart. Give money to, to the king and give your heart to God. I think it's more than that. What is due, the rightful due for God? Does God want our heart? Of course. But is God our king? He is. So therefore, does he deserve the tithe? Yes. So I think tithe and tax are dues for kings. Okay? And if the kings charge you too much, and if you are in a democracy, go vote. Okay? <laughs> and if you're not, then pray. Okay. <laughs> no, give out of love and duty, not just surplus. Uh, when uh, Jesus uh, was in the temple and uh, he saw that uh, there are many rich people give large sums of money but he paid attention to a poor widow who gave a mite you know a mite is uh, is a half of a cent you know two mites is one cent so he prays the prayer, poor one he says surely I say to you this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury for they all putting out of their surplus but she out of her poverty putting all she owned all she had to live on well I think that all she owned is probably a you know hyperbole means that's a lot for her okay she certainly had to keep some to live but what Jesus means is that the, the tithe and gift to God by the poor, by those who don't have surpluses, actually mean more uh, to God okay, uh, than those who give out of their surplus. Okay. Um, the next one, giving reflects being clean inside. Uh, Jesus um, said uh, to the Pharisees, he told them that, that they are clean on the outside. They, they are so clean that when they eat, they have to wash their hands three times on left hand, three times on right hand, and so on and so on. And those are traditions which Jesus didn't uh, obey. Jesus think, unless it's biblical, um, I don't need to obey it. Okay? Some people uh, might call Jesus a karite, you know, the Jews, uh, the word called kara. And uh, there are some Jews who don't follow the rabbis. They are not the, into the rabbinical Judaism, and they call themselves Karites. Okay? And, and they believe Jesus is a Karite, because Jesus believes in everything in the Word of God, okay? which is true. But Jesus, of course, is more than a Karite. Okay? And uh, uh, Jesus didn't obey that, and the Pharisees were not happy. And Jesus said to them that they were clean on the outside, but not in the inside. Because if they were, they would not have neglected the issue of charity. Uh, because if you give that which is within as charity, then all things are clean for you. You see, we have a two-dimensional relationship. There is a vertical, which you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. There is a horizontal, which means you love others as yourself. Okay? And which of these is the supreme law? According to the book of James, loving others as yourself is the supreme law. Why? Because if you can do that, you have to love God first. Okay? So that means you, have done, you, you are clean already if you can have love and charity. Okay? That means you have been clean already. Okay? So that's what Jesus says. If you neglect the other one, it's, you're probably not clean in the inside. Giving accumulates treasure in heaven. Jesus said, 
Uh, don't seek the food and clothing, those things. Regular people, non-believers, seek that. But seek for the kingdom of God, and these things will be added to you. And uh, sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourself money belts which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart uh, will also be. We know this is in the book of uh, in the Gospel of Luke, and it's in the Sermon on the Plain. It's uh, later, it, not the Sermon on the Mount. It's similar but different. And Luke was more uh, socially con- conscientious. Okay, so that's why you can see that uh, in in here. But generally speaking, it to give is to accumulate treasure in heaven, where it cannot be stolen. You know the. The poor have their worry. The the rich have their worries. Okay, the poor worry about where what is where is the next uh, lunch, and the rich might worry who is going to steal my money. Okay, so they all have their worries. But where can you store your money that where it cannot be stolen? In heaven, right? By giving, and giving as a mark of discipleship. Uh, When Jesus uh, right before he was crucified, he told this in the upper room. He said, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So how do we let people know that we are disciples of Christ? By loving one another, especially among Christians. That's why the church needs to have um, small groups, get people closer, that they can truly help each other. Okay? And that is a sign, a mark of discipleship. Okay? And uh, the next one is that giving as a mark of covenant community. This is after Jesus' ascension at the Pentecost, after the church was born. The, the early church, they had believed... they. They continue as a devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And uh, they kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. That was the brief period of true communism. That was a good communism. Okay? Because that communism was voluntary. It was not forced. Modern communism is forced okay, by state. Anything b- done by the state with force comes with evil. Okay? Only those who, comes, who does you know, sharing voluntarily is true good. It's pure good. However, we know that this did not fall, you know, continue <laughs> later the sinners, even the sinners who are saved, start to divide people. The those who speak Jews, uh, uh, Hebrew, and those who speak Greek, are you know. They, uh, so this cannot continue for long. But anyway, giving was a mark of a covenant covenant community. If you sense you have joined a new covenant community, that is a sign. And another giving as a relief for the suffering around AD forty, uh, when a prophet of God named uh, Agabus. Um, pre- prophesied that there will be a famine, the church in Antioch started to accumulate a portion of their income ready to give reliefs for the brethren in Judea. Uh, this day, in these states, there are, you know, the states does most of these reliefs. However, uh, are those reliefs done righteously? 
and uh, do the people who receive them use them correctly? I have a friend who worked for FEMA in Denton. You know, I lived used to live in Denton. There's a branch of FEMA in Denton, right? I have a friend who worked there, and he, he told me that it is very annoying doing that work because the government giving is a big waste. It doesn't discriminate, uh, you know, the right or wrong uses. And for the, pe the people who ask them are very greedy, and they ask it all, and they use them in wrong places. And uh, they are usually given $100,000 for repairing their houses, but they use them on cars and iPods and uh, shoes. And then they come back, they ask for more. <laughs> when asked, have you re re replaced your house? They say, no. I mean, uh, this is not enough. How can I replace it? Well, then, uh, where's the money? Well, I used it. Well, they ask for more. Well, they're not given more. Well, what happened? The house is not repaired. Today, most of the houses in, in New Orleans have not been repaired. Now, who are there repairing houses? The church, okay? Not the state. It's the Christians who are there still repairing, restoring the houses. Okay? That's why I believe that the state should not be involved with charity at all, period. Okay? Because it's opposite to its nature. The state is for justice. The church is for charity. Okay? And uh, therefore, uh, part of church's giving is for relief of suffering. And giving as an expression of love. Paul said to the Romans, let love be without hypocrisy. Uh, abhor what is evil, cling what is good, etc., etc., contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. This whole passage is about making love genuine. And how to make love genuine, not hypocritic? By contributing to the needs of the saints. So you give generally, but you, first of all, you give to the church. Okay? And the church take care of the needy among us first then others outside of us. Okay? And Christian giving to the Jews as a thanksgiving to the gospel. AD 55, Paul to the, uh, wrote to the Romans, uh, But now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints for Macedonia and Archaea. Now, Archaea, that means the, the church in those places, have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so and they are indebted to them. For if Gentiles have shared it in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. If we, as a Gentile, by believing in the Messiah and the book of the Jews, we are given the citizenship in the kingdom of God. If we have shared in their spiritual things, have we? Yes, we have. If we have shared them, then we are obligated to share with the Jewish people in material things. Okay? So if the state of Israel need some support for their defense, we are obligated. Okay? If the people of, of Israel need some uh, contribution for their poor, we are obligated. Why? That is a thanksgiving for the gospel. Okay? And how about that? Giving out of the right, right motive, which is love. You know, Paul said to the Corinthians, If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Okay. Even if you give your all, your life, as Christ did, but you don't have the love as Christ did, it is no good. Okay. And if you don't have love, you might not 
you might as well not give because it doesn't profit you. Okay. Uh, giving regularly according to the level of blessing. 8055 also, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, uh, on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. First day of the week, Sunday. So basically, as you go to church, put aside a part. Okay? You maybe put aside and give uh, monthly, you know, whatever. As the, what we do is we do monthly. Okay? Uh, but as, as you proper, as God has prospered you, according to God gives you, you give a portion. Okay? And uh, so that no collection is made when I come, etc. And uh, the next one is giving willingly and cheerfully. Uh, each one must do just as his purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you give with a grinded teeth, grinding teeth, you know, then don't give, okay? That doesn't profit you, and God does not need that money, okay? God wants uh, your heart, because that's the relationship, that's what God wants. Okay, that's the purpose of creation. And if you don't have that, then try to stay away. You have an issue, deal with that issue. Okay, if you have a difficulties, pray and uh, and ask God for faith and blessing. And then when you restore, give more. Okay, that deal with that, but don't give with the grinding teeth. Okay, and give sacrificially for char- charity. And uh, Paul uh, said. Uh, to the Corinthians about the Philippians. He said, In great deal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberty. For I testify they according to, uh, that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. So the church of uh, Philippi was a kind of an accidental church. Uh, G- uh, Paul founded it without a synagogue, as usually he does. Uh, however, that church was a very faithful church supporting him. And not only in his ministry, but also in charity. And in charity giving, uh, they gave abundantly beyond their ability. Uh, it's, it's beyond their normal percentage, if you count any. Uh, around 60, 80, 60, he wrote to the Philippians. He said, uh, you have been participating in my ministry from the beginning. And uh, no church, no other church I've shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone, you know, in the preaching of the gospel. And even in Thessalonica, you send a gift more than once for my need. This church was a very giving church. And even though they are quite, you know, um, suffering in uh, poverty and in uh, persecution, but they are faithful in giving in, to, to the mi- missionary. Uh, that is uh, Paul. Our church gives faithfully faith to our missionaries. We have now over 15% of our income uh, given to missionaries in the field. In the last year, because of the devaluate, devalu- devaluation right, of the, the dollar, and we just uh, increased $50 for every missionaries in the foreign field without telling them you know and uh, this is uh, trying to be faithful and our purpose is to make about 20% of our income uh, going to the mission field okay and uh, we're still in the process and God has blessed us he never made our church lack money you see that we have been blessed part of it is because we give faithfully okay and finally these are some practical guidelines Uh, Tithe first, okay? When you receive your check, 
write a check, put it out, and before you spend it, before you plan it, anything on your life. Okay? Thus, it's never counted as part of your money. You never feel a loss. Okay? And uh, I, I have friends who struggle. They always give at the, uh, uh, whatever is, less, uh, is left at the end of the month. They always have nothing left. <laughs> okay. And they always feel guilty. And their spiritual life, you know, kind of staggered. But after we talk with them and they start to tithe in the, be- you know, in the beginning of the month, the next month, the husband found a job. So God blesses. You know, test God. Okay? And he does bless. And f- the second is that faithful giving based on the regular low income is the most pleasing to God. So college students, listen to that. Okay? And giving is a training for faith and giving is a door for blessing. And uh, another issue is giving based on high income is watched by God. Okay? God blessed those who have high incomes. It is a blessing. Okay? And you, are, you should rejoice uh, for being blessed. However, you got to know, God watches over how you spend your money. Uh, it is an actual issue. When people get wealthier, they start to renegotiate with God on the contract. Uh, the, uh, I, I recently read an article about uh, the spiritual life of, of all persons, Oprah. <laughs> I don't think Oprah is necessarily a real Christian because he's tending new age now. However, he uh, was a faithful member of a you know, church for a long time and be, until after he became famous. I think part of the reason is because it's become annoying. When he goes to church, people always ask for autographs. And she actually gave a very good answer. And she said, Jesus should be the, the star here. She was right. You know. However, she stopped giving you know, 10%. Because if she gives 10%, that's a lot. Okay? And, but um, it is a real issue. When, once people are getting more wealthier, they start to renegotiate. Even if they started giving tithe and they were blessed and once they became blessed they start to renegotiate I would say no don't do that do not renegotiate with God do not close the gate of blessing okay uh, set aside the money belonging to God you don't have to give all of that to this local church that money belongs to God you give it somewhere to God's cause causes okay to missionaries uh, to charities or to your local church uh, but this but don't count that as your own, okay? Because that is just not true. And that closes the door for blessing. And you get stuck there. You may still feel blessed, but you may be struggling there, okay? And uh, so uh, set aside that money and be discretional and generous. And finally, give according to faith. And then be prepared, be blessed according to faith. Okay, let us pray. Dear God, our Father, Thank you for giving us your precious word throughout the two testaments. And thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit and giving us our guidance so we know what will carry over to the New Testament. We know that you are still our king, and therefore the the principle of tithe still carries over. But we should do better because we should give sacrificially as Christ does. And only that way we can let the world know that we are disciples of Christ. And may your word make us change and truly be blessed spiritually as well as financially. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. Please visit us at dayministry.com 
or ablinbible.org for more teachings in audio or visual forms, as well as other study materials. Don't forget to check us at youtube.com/ablinbiblechurch for our TV series. God bless you. Recreation of the new day.